Go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> so I don't want you to be kind of freaked out or alarmed because I'm up here so early. And um, I, the outline again is kind of long, which I don't know what's wrong with me. But uh, don't worry. We're going to do things a little different today. And uh, you'll see why shortly. But this week I was in a, I, I meet with this group of people that we just are friends and we kind of do life together and we've been doing this for, you know, almost 30 years. Of just people in our lives and we were just sitting around talking around the table and uh, one of the people said, she's studying Ezekiel for Easter, which I know it's kind of a weird thing to be studying is this prophet full of doom and gloom and kind of tragedy and but that, that's what she's doing. And so she was kind of, we were talking and we just said, you know, she brought up this idea of idols and how she asked the question, like, do we have idols in our lives? And we discussed that for a while. And then she just kind of said, you know, I want that kind of faith or I want to, why don't I see the things like we see in the Bible? Like, why don't we see the wonderful things that God was doing? And, and she, then she said, like, why don't we see like the healing that, that, that God does, that God has done in our, in the Bible. And especially when Jesus came, all the healings and she, she wasn't really questioning her faith. In fact, I don't think she was very much different than even the people in the Bible. Like they didn't seem to see God's presence either. And they didn't really seem to acknowledge or quickly forget the act, what God was doing in their lives. And so I think she wasn't she was more like frustrated with just kind of in general of how we just don't seem to believe or expect God to still perform those miracles, to still do, to heal like he did in the Bible, which is our next name that we're going to look at of God, which is Yahweh Rapha. And we see this in Exodus 15, 22 through 26 is where this, this name is, appears in the Bible. And just to kind of let you know where we're at in history, this is, so the Egyptians have been pursued by Pharaoh and his men through the Red Sea. So God parted the Red Sea. The entire camp of the Israelites have safely passed through the Red Sea. Pharaoh sends his army in there. God closes the Red Sea, washes and destroys the, his entire army away. And so the Israelites now are traveling and they're on the other side of the Red Sea and they're free. They're safe. So let's pick up our story in verse 22. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink in the water because it was bitter. That is why this place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. And this is where we see the name. It says, For I am the Lord who heals you. So let's kind of look at what we have here. So we have the Israelites, like they've seen this crazy, miraculous work of God. Like they, they just even having freedom from Pharaoh, being given that freedom, you know, 400 years of being slaves and all of the 
plagues and diseases that were brought upon the Egyptians and seeing all of that. And then, you know, I don't, it's not really normal to, for like a river or a sea to just part and for you to pass on dry land. Like that is, that would be amazing to see. Like I can't imagine that. And now we see them, they just seem to forget about all that and they're just complaining about not having anything to drink. They're thirsty. Now, I, I mean, I, I could get that. Like they, they say on average that, you know, three days, they were in the desert for three days and the human body, medically, they say you can go three days without water on, on average before you die. So I can see where they're desperate. They're kind of beyond thirsty. And, and then imagine they find the water and then they can't drink it. You know, I, I, we can relate to that. Like there was one time when I was coming back from Red Lodge and remember the quick stop drive-in thing that was there at Fort Rockville? Remember that? So, like, I am just dying because, like, I'm hungry, and I'm really, my sweet tooth's really killing me, so I got to have some ice cream. Like, I, I probably just like the Israelites. Like, I'm, I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. So, like, I'm starving. It's, I'm sure it's only been four or five hours since I've ate. So, like, I'm desperate. And imagine my disappointment when I pulled in closed imagine like i'm thinking like israelites me like we're in the same boat like i'm i'm with you in there israelites i'm with you on that i'm sure we were, you know i was i was about to die so what did i do then i grumbled and i'm still grumbling about it but just like the israelites they grumbled they grumbled against moses Probably didn't grumble to his face. Just like I'm not grumbling to the people that own that own that drive-in place. Like I'm just, but I'm grumbling. I'm I'm upset about it. I'm grumbling to others. And then they probably like it got finally got back to Moses. And then what do they do? They say it's it's all Moses. Moses, it's all your fault. It's all your fault. Like I'm dying here because I can't get my fried food. It's all your fault because you were closed or you're this. Now I don't. I'm, I'm really good at that, though. I'm really good at grumbling about stuff and blaming somebody else. That's a, that's a skill. I, I see some people laughing and smiling. I think you're probably good at that skill, too. Something you're good at. But the Israelites, like I said, just got done seeing what God can do. Seeing the amazing things He can do. And they don't <coughs> turn to God. They turn on God. And they turn on Moses. So, do you turn towards God? Or turn on God when things happen to you. So the people of Israel, like I said, they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're tired. They don't know what the future is. I mean, they're in the desert. Like, there's not a lot in the desert. And then imagine the disappointment. You've gone three days without water, and you finally find the water, and then you discover that you can't drink it. Probably thinking, this is the end. Like, God, why'd you bring me here? Like, so I can die of thirst? Why is this? So Kamei was saying, God, where are you now? Where are you, God? And I think that's a good question. Because they're tired, just like some of us. We're tired. We're exhausted. Maybe we're thinking, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm, I'm just done. God doesn't care about me. In fact, I don't know if anybody cares about me. Maybe I might as well just be dead. Anybody kind of familiar with that thought pattern? Or have suffered from that thought pattern sometimes? Unfortunately, in our world, too often we do. 
And too often, where does that lead? Too often in our world, in fact, this is the 10th leading cause of death in America, is suicide. So I had a friend this week tell me about this book. It's a really interesting concept. This is kind of why I even put this in here, is that he said that most people that commit suicide, all they want is just rest. They want rest. They don't see any end to this current situation there, and they don't see any end to it, and all they want is rest. Unfortunately, that's the only way they can think they can get it, is to do that. Turn their back on God and all that he is to find their own rest. Now there's this verse in the Bible, we've, we've looked at this before, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So if you remember the names we've looked at so far, we've looked at Yahweh, this name that has power, this name that God is always present, and this name of God saves. And then, Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd who knows his sheep. The shepherd that knows that we're not capable of taking care of ourselves. And a shepherd that's willing to lay down his life for us. And then we looked at Yahweh Jireh. We see a God that that we know this as God provides. But we also looked at where it really means is God sees. God sees what's going on in your life. God sees all it is, all that is happening. He sees that you need rest. That he's present and he loves you and he'll provide you for what you need when you need it. But you got to let him. Now, if today, if you're just, I need to throw this out there. If you're at all, feeling like what I described, <clears throat> feeling hopeless, just feel like checking out. I'm going to go, world, peace out. Listen to me. Please, please listen to me. We have a God that cares. We have a God that loves you, loves you more than you can possibly imagine. A God that sees everything. He knows what's happening. He knows that he's not blind. He hasn't forgot you, and he will provide for you. He will get you what you need when you need it, and he will lead you. And we also have a God that heals. And Jesus says, come to him. He will give you rest. Believe that. Know that. Come to Jesus. Don't turn your back on God. Don't turn your back on Jesus. In our story, if you notice, all the people were grumbling at Moses. All the people were blaming Moses. Moses didn't turn it back on them. Moses turned to God. Moses, Moses what he does, the text tells us he cried out to the Lord. Cried out to Yahweh. And then God does what God does. He sees it. He sees the need. He provides. Then he says to his people, I'm going to make you a deal. You put your faith in me. You turn to me. You follow me. And I'm not going to send those diseases that I sent on the Egyptians. I'm not going to send them. Why? Because I'm the God that heals. Remember when I started, my friend asking me, perhaps asking if, if, if God heals and he still heals them why aren't we seeing this as much why aren't we seeing this that much anymore now for the next few minutes i'm going to maybe address this question of why why don't we see this this isn't an exhaustive list and there is a lot of deep theological stuff in this which we don't have time to go into but there's just some some thoughts to kind of think of well, why don't we see this first thing we i want to list is limiting god Anybody remember the story of Naaman and Elisha that we find in 2 Kings, verse 5? Naaman was this powerful guy. Naaman was, was the man. Like he was powerful, he had influence, 
But something about Naaman, he had leprosy. Leprosy in those days was not something that you want to have. You don't really want to have it now either. But he went to Elisha to be healed. He went to this prophet of God, Elisha, to be healed. And instead of Elisha coming to see Naaman, Elisha sent one of his messengers out to, to talk to Naaman. Tell him, you know what? Go over to the Jordan River and bathe in there seven times and you'll be healed. And Naaman was a little ticked. He didn't like that very much. He didn't take kindly to that. Because Naaman thought, you know, look at who I am. I am, I am all this. And you come to me with a messenger? Like, you should have this parade and this celebration and ponies and all kinds of things to come and, and talk to me because I'm, I'm Naaman. I'm, look who I am. And so Naaman is, is pitching a fit. He just goes away mad. But his servant stops him. His servant stops him and says this, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, a great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So Naaman humbles himself or does, stops pouting at least and he goes to the Jordan, washes himself and he's healed. This Yahweh Rapha, the Lord heals. So what do I mean by limiting God? We limit God because we maybe think we know how it should be done. Just like Naaman, he thought he knew how this healing should be done. That there should be all of this, this circus that goes on to heal him when it just needed to be something simple. Maybe it's us that we need to go to a doctor, actually, go, but we go, no, nah, I'm not going to. Or maybe the opposite. Maybe we need to not go to the doctor. And we wrestle with these things like, maybe I need to change my diet. Maybe I don't need to change my diet. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to do nothing and I'm going to say, God needs to heal me. When all I have is like a cut on my hand where I, I just need an antibiotic for that. Maybe it's like, I'm going to get immunized. This side will say, no, I'm not going to get immunized. So we're limiting God by limiting God of what he can do based on what we think he should do. And Jesus, if you've noticed, if you've read the Bible, if you haven't, read the New Testament. Read how Jesus healed people. He healed them in a lot of different ways. Sometimes he said, be healed. Sometimes he said, your sins are forgiven. Other times he just said, get up and walk. Other times he, he even healed them without seeing them. And then there's one time where he, he spit in the dirt and put mud in a dude's eyes. Like, that's weird. But Jesus did this, I think, to keep the focus on the healer, not the method of healing, to keep the focus on him. Because Jesus was the healer. God was the healer. It wasn't how he did it. It wasn't some secret magic. Next one is counter God's healing work. We, we pray for God to heal us. We pray. And, and then we get healed. We are delivered from something. And then we go right back to that same lifestyle. We find ourselves right back to where we started from. And then we pray for God to heal us again. And then we do it all over again. And we're wondering, like, did God really heal me or not healing me? But we're counteracting what the work that God's doing. Like, for example, like if I <clears throat> want to lose weight and I just continue to have a bad diet, I continue to stop at the quick stop and eat that ice cream and fried food and I don't exercise, well, how can I expect God to heal that? How can I expect that to happen? 
Then there's other things that happen. You know, diabetes and sore joints, and there's lots of other things. And there's other things that we hold, hold on to, like our emotional. There's emotional healing that ha- happens too. We hold on to emotional hurts, we, and it just eats away on us. We have unforgiveness. We have bitterness. A lot of things that keep us from being healed and reinfecting ourselves. Like we might give up a little bit of our bitterness, but then it comes, somebody does something else and it comes back, just like reinfecting us. For example, here's a, here's a great thing. Like you saw me walk in here with my coffee bug. This is one of those days where I drink a whole pot of coffee. So later in the day, I'm sitting on my couch and I'm miserable because my stomach hurts. And I'm going, oh God, please heal me. This is awful. This is miserable. And so God maybe heals me and, and it's better for a few days. And then Tuesday when I'm here all day again, I drink another pot of coffee. And so I'm like, oh, God, heal me. God, heal me. So God heals me. But what's going on there? Like God can be doing his work, but I'm just counteracting his work because I just keep doing the same behavior. I don't learn that I need to stop doing that also. So is God not healing me or am I countering the work that God does? I'll let you know, it, God's doing his work. It's me that's not doing my work. The next one we have is, is what I'm going to call the desire to be sick. If you remember the story that Jesus comes along, this guy that was by this pool. They thought this water had healing power. So he sat by this pool, or he was, had someone bring him by this pool. He sat there for 38 years. This is found in John 5. And Jesus says to him, he says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Like, no. I, did he, maybe he had a desire just to be sick because all of whatever that he was getting by just sitting there. I am going to call this the Eeyore syndrome. Remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Everything's awful. Everything's bad. No hope. I'm always going to be this. Like Eeyore, like, he, he just, he's always miserable. He always wants people to feel sorry for him. Like, and sometimes, like, we maybe go to the doctor and doctors say there's nothing wrong with you. Or maybe they'll say there's something wrong, but it's not that serious. Or we have an illness and we'll use that illness or lack of illness to, and why do, like Eeyore, why does he do that? To gain power, to manipulate people, to get people to feel sorry for him. And was there anything wrong with Eeyore? I don't think there was anything wrong with Eeyore. But sometimes we just get caught in that, that, illness or that desire almost for an illness and we just don't want to let it go and God God can't heal in that situation next one is failure to recognize healing that it might be gradual and progressive now I mentioned this blind man earlier but the blind man is in Mark 8 22 through 25 so Jesus spits in this guy's eyes and his vision isn't fully restored yet so Jesus asks him, what can you see? He tells him it's, you know, it's kind of blurry. Things look like trees. And so then Jesus does it again. Now, I don't think Jesus was doing this just to, oh, I messed up. I guess I got to do a redo. I think Jesus was saying this is like, sometimes this healing, it's a process. And it's not just snap my fingers and it's done. And think of like emotional health. If we've ever gone through some emotional healing, and sometimes like we have this bag full of trauma, this bag full of garbage that we have been dealt with our entire life. And it's a big bag. 
and we go and seek help. And sometimes we'll, we'll get the help. We'll find help of this one thing, and we'll start to be healed with that. But then when we're healing with that, we realize, oh, I got this other bag of stuff over here. I better start dealing with that. So then we start dealing with that. And then gradually and progressively over time, all of this trauma and all of these hurts begin to get healed. Where if we were just healed one instantaneously, that would be healed, but we still have this whole bag over here that we're dealing with. Where if it's progressive and gradual, we get the whole thing healed. Now, another one is that perhaps this healing is gradual and progressive because the healing isn't just for the person being healed. The healing is also for somebody else that's watching this person be healed. I read a story of a blind girl. This young girl was blind, and her dad started taking, him to, taking her to a healing service every week at a church. Well, they went the first time, and, and she got a little bit of sight back. Not a lot, but just enough. And so the dad kept taking her back every week, and every week it was a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Now the mom, who thought this was witchcraft, starts out like, What's, this is, I'm going to go. I'm going to take her this week. So the mom goes. And then she sees it, and she sees her daughter get better. And so then the, both the parents start going. And before you know it, what happens in this healing service? Mom and dad, all of a sudden, they get healed too. They get their spiritually healed. And they, they accept Jesus into their life. And you know what happened that night? Daughter received her sight at back 100%. So sometimes that healing is not just for the person being healed. There's another one, lack of faith. Matthew 13, 58, if you remember this story, this is when Jesus goes to his hometown. He basically goes like, I, there's nothing I can do here because I, you guys lack faith. I can't, there's no work that can be done here. So we've got to believe. If we have this lack of faith and we're just full of these negative thoughts, of it, it's pretty hard for God to work in that. Now, he is God. Nothing's impossible for him. But if we lack that faith and we don't believe that Yahweh Rapha, the Lord heals, I, how can we really expect him to heal someone? Now, God is a God. And he can do amazing things. So I can't rule out that he can't heal somebody in that situation who doesn't believe, in, believe to be healed. He can still do that. But I do believe that somewhere in this whole healing, somewhere, even like I just told the story of this blind girl, is that somewhere in this, someone's going to believe in God. Somebody's going to end up believing. And they're going to believe in God that he has the power to heal us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Now there's lots and lo- there's a whole bunch more reasons. We can spend a lot of time on this. But one, I just, I'm going to mention this briefly and quickly. And this one is one that it is, it, there's a lot of deep theology in this. But this is God's kingdom. When God's full reign on earth, it's not completely here yet. Like, it's not completely present yet. Now, when Jesus returns again, that's when he's going to establish his kingdom at that point, where all of these things we read about, like, this is, that will be just ordinary life. So this, one way of putting it is it's already, but not yet. His kingdom is already here, but it's not yet complete. And this is one of those things that theological-wise we can, it's kind of a catch-all of why we don't, everybody we pray for isn't healed. Because there's, his kingdom is not fully established yet. 
Now we've asked, let's answer some questions of why. So now I want to spend some time on how does God's healing happen? How does this work? And again, it's not, it's not ever, I'm not going to cover every little thing. But one is medical knowledge. Now, we see in Exodus that God didn't just go, poof, the water's, water's good to drink. Like he had Moses take this piece of wood and put it in the water. Now, I'm not saying there was some chemical reaction because I don't know. But what I look at that is like God's using something that he created or knowledge that he's created or given to someone to heal somebody. Colossians 4.14 tells us that Luke was a doctor. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says, Luke, you need to quit being a doctor and you need to just abandon everything that you know and you need to just pray for people. I don't see anywhere in there. I bet Luke probably actually did both. He probably used his knowledge as a doctor and he prayed for people. 1 Timothy 5.23, not that I say because I am in the medical world, like I don't really recommend this, but in that day, this is probably a, a, a remedy, was in 1 Timothy 5.23, it says to use a little wine for your stomach in your frequent illnesses. So again, using something that was looked at as medicine, maybe, to help with illness. Now, it's a, a lot of us have had medical procedures or know people, like it's amazing what the knowledge that we can do now. The knowledge that I say this is that God's provided people with, that God has given to us to heal us, to heal. Like we, we have this, so we, it's okay that we can use this. God has given us this medical world to heal us. A simple, simple example of this would be antibiotics, penicillin. Like just simple, like if you got a wound before antibiotics, like you stood a good chance of dying. Well, one of the studies that I looked at, it said that discovery of antibiotics, that it decreased mortality by 50% since the 1920s. Just by one little thing. God providing medical knowledge to heal us. Now, the next thing is spiritual gifts. We, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. There are several gifts that are given to us in the Holy Spirit. There's a list of them in 1 Corinthians 12. This, not everybody has the same gift, but one of those gifts is the gift of healing. Specifically in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, it says to another gifts of healing by that one spirit. So that's where it specifically says. Now, this is the healing that it doesn't necessarily depend on the medical world or depend on science. This is healing that we see that demonstrates God's mercy, to demonstrates God's grace and to ultimately glorify God. And when we think of this spiritual gift of healing, we can think of, of a physical healing like we see in Acts 9. When Peter saw, he saw this paralyzed man that's been ridden for, bedridden for eight years. Peter says, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up. Roll up your mat. And immediately the man stood up. But this is what I want you to see. In verse 35 it says, All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turn to the Lord. We see God glorified. Now the last one I want to talk about is prayers of the church. Our prayers is the body of the church. We pray for people. Nancy has a list that she gives many of you. My name's on that. Kim's name's on that. And trust me, I, 
I, we, we feel your prayers. Like, I thank you for that. Like, we, we feel them lifting up me and my, myself and my family. But we pray for people that are ill, we, that need healing. Not just physical, but mental healing and this spiritual healing. We anoint them with oil. And we pray over them. James 5, 14 to 16, it says, if anyone among, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so they may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Those prayers we pray, those prayers, they're powerful. Prayers require faith. Prayers aren't just for the sick person to become physically and mentally healed. Prayers are also for the person to become spiritually healed. Now, I, I know before I was spiritually healed, like I know people were praying for me. Because I, I'll run into them around town. There's people that have prayed for me when I was, since I was little. And they know me. They know me well. And they're, they look at me and they're just amazed. Like I tell them what I'm doing now and they practically fall over dead because they're like, wow, how'd that happen? They're amazed. Well, it's, those prayers are powerful. And I was healed. And I'm going to guarantee almost everybody in this room that has been spiritually healed, I will guarantee you there is somebody praying for you to be spiritually healed. Because our prayers are powerful. God listens to them. We have Yahweh Rapha, God who heals. Now, isn't a person's spiritual healing that we find in Jesus really the most important healing that we can receive? This being reconciled to God? I'm going to answer that question for you. Yes, it is. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Now today we're going to do something different. You notice I was up here early. I'm going to pray next. After when I'm done, I'm going to pray. And when I pray, I'm going to pray for spiritual healing. I'm going to pray... If there's anybody in this room that you have not received spiritual healing that you get from Jesus on the cross, I'm going to pray that you receive that. I'm going to pray and give you a chance to acknowledge that with me. Now, I've, after that, I've asked Alex to, to lead some worship. And so she's going to have a time of worship. We're all going to have this time of worship. And then over here, Nancy is over here. Grove is going to be over here. I'm going to be over there. And I'm just going to invite anybody in this room, if you need physical healing, mental healing, even spiritual healing, to just come over here and we're going to pray for you. We're going to have some oil. We're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you and we're going to expect you to be healed. This isn't going to be just, oh, we pray for you and please God. Like, no, we're going to say, God, heal you. We're going to expect this. I can't guarantee it, but I believe it. I believe that God still does this. He's still in that business. And he can heal and he will heal. So we're going to pray in that way. Now I told Alex that if there is still, if everybody's up here wants prayer for healing, then just keep playing. Just keep going and we'll just, we kind of left the ending kind of open here to just let God move. So we're going to do that because we still believe in Yahweh Rapha. We still believe that the Lord heals.
We have that faith that God is. He's still in that business. Now I want, you to, I want to read this to you. John 14, 9 through 14. It says, Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, yet and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen my Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Verse 12 tells us, whoever believes in him, whoever believes in Jesus, will do the works of Jesus, do the works that he's been doing, and that those who believe will even do even greater works. Now something in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one-fifth of the verses, total verses, so there's, that's 727 verses, and there's 3,779 verses. No, I didn't count them all. But one-fifth of these verses have to do with healing. So I read that, and I go, obviously healing was, was the work Jesus did. And he says that we'll do the same work, and we'll do even greater. So we put our faith in Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. Lord, I just pray for your spirit to move today, Lord. I pray for, for healing. I pray for, for just, Lord, I know that you sent the spirit, Lord, and you sent the spirit, Lord, to, to be our helper, to be our guide, Lord. And I know that through the spirit and through you that we can, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that people can be healed, Lord. So I proclaim that truth today, Lord. And I just expect miracles to happen today signs and wonders lord of your power lord to ultimately not not to give any of us in this room glory lord but to give you glory lord and first i want to pray if there's anybody in this room that needs spiritual healing right now there's something that i said or something that that you have put in people's hearts lord that that goes i need to get that spiritual healing i need to have that relationship to you i need to be one of the sheep lord that that you're my shepherd Lord, so if that is you, if you want to look up at me and say yes, say yes, I want to receive spiritual healing today. Lord, I just, I just pray for everybody, Lord, that has said yes, that give me that spiritual healing, Lord. I just thank you for that, Lord. There are angels rejoicing right now, Lord, and you are rejoicing, Lord. And for those that have said that, Lord, welcome home. Welcome home. Jesus, Jesus is embracing you right now. Lord, and let that spiritual healing happen, Lord. Let that, just let the Spirit come upon them, Lord. Just fill them up. In your name we pray, amen. Now, for those of you that want prayer, Lord, just come right over here and we'll be over here to pray for you.